Good evening. You are listening to a Radiligion Broadcasting Premier Podcast. Premier Party tonight. I'm your host, the Mandated Reporter, and frankly, I'm interrupted all the time. And mortified. (laughs) And mortified, Mr. Mark Radilich. And tonight, our favorite show, if we can ever get to it, is The Witcher. Brought to you by the good people at Netflix. Sean Daniel Company. Still King Films. Platage Image. One of us and Cinecite. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) The Witcher is a fantasy drama streaming television series created by Lauren Schmidt Hisrich. Based on the book of the same name by Polish writer or something Polish. <laughs> no, I really want. No, no, no. I want you to try this, please. Andrzej Sapkowski. Sapkowski. Close Sa- enough. Sa- that's, Sa- the, that's the least offensive pronunciation of a Polish last name you've ever done on this show. <laughs> so. Set on a fictional medieval inspired landmass known as the continent, The Witcher explores the legend of Geralt of Rivia and Princess Ciri, who are linked to each other by destiny and the word fuck. It stars Henry Cavill, Freya Allen, and Anya Shalotra. And I am joined by Robert Winfrey of 401mania.com. How do you do, sir? I do all right. You know, I got to do my MLW review earlier than expected, so that's done and out of the way and currently up, so if you're interested in that, early plug. We've got a movie coming up uh, next week that I'm loosely excited for. So, you know, not the worst place to be. And also joining us, he's the misfit and the miscreant. He's your dungeon master. Uh, He has his own Twitch feed where he rolls the dice and takes you on an adventure. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Screaming Boy podcast, Ronnie Adams. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That, That show will forever haunt me. <laughs> uh, in a good way. In a good way. Yeah, I'll go back to it one day. Maybe one day. I, I, there have been talks, maybe in the somewhere out there in the in the interweb. But Ronnie, uh, have, yeah. did you join us for the last um, conversation about The Witcher that we had two years ago? I did. I think I don't remember okay. much about it, so probably. All right, so I don't remember if I've ever asked you if you like read the books or played the video games or anything. But did yeah, you, you did. Uh, I did? I've never read the books. I want to. Mm. I'm looking at them now, but I played all the video games. Okay. So this season, uh, from what I read, is based on the following. Uh, a Grain of Truth from The Last Wish, Blood and blood of Elves, and The Beginning of Time of Contempt. Uh, Robert, did you read any of those? Uh, I've read, when it comes to The Witcher, I've read the first book, which is just a great introduction. It's more of an introduction to Geralt. It's a bunch of kind of loosely connected short stories. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, a lot of the individual like monster of the week stuff from the first season drew heavily from that book. Uh, so I recognize, so, you know, the grain of truth one, which is their riff on beauty and the beast mm-hmm. uh, is from that book. I've read part of the second one. I haven't, uh, my family was kind enough to get me books three and four of uh, the Stormlight Archive, and I'm halfway through book four at the moment. Uh, 
So I'm going to pick the Witcher back up after I'm done with that. Um, so what did you guys think of season two here in terms of what we, what you, what you know of the source material? And that might be a hard question to answer if you don't know all of it, but I'll, I'll start with you, Robert. Um, in terms of capturing the spirit of the source material, um, obviously you're not like setting the room on fire or anything. So it wasn't lock and key. Um, I'm guessing you thought it was Thankfully. fairly, <laughs> I'm guessing you thought it was fairly okay. This does a really good job, I think, of capturing most of the tone of the books. Um, it leans a little bit actually darker than the novels do, uh, again, to my limited experience, which is not a bad thing necessarily. I uh, want to be clear about that. But it does, in part because you're able to impart a, a more visual aesthetic to it than just the words on the page, it winds up being a little bit darker than my interpretation was. But I think it fits well, and I'm not complaining about it by any stretch of the imagination. In the landscape of contemporary media, where 85 or so percent of everything is made for children under the age of eight, it seems. I watched this season of television, and I got most of the way through it and went, I had the same reaction to this I've had to a few other movies and whatnot. Like, It's nice to watch something that's made for a mature audience, and I don't mean that in the... There's actually a lot less sexual material in this season than in the first one. And I don't mean it that way. I mean, like, this is not, it's not made for children. And I, it's nice to have that option on occasion. <laughs> well, I mean, even if you took out the swearing and took out the nudity, um, or, <clears throat> you know, allusions to sex and whatnot, it's a very, it's very dense. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. It's, it's very dense material. Like, you know, I really have, this is one of those where, um, unlike Hawkeye, which I had on the background while I was working on the computer, this was something I had to pay very close attention to, or you will get lost. I mean, I don't, I, I guess because I've seen the Lord of the Rings movie so many times, I don't get nearly as lost anymore when I watch those. But it's like that level of you having to, you know, memorize character names and, under, you know, and there's so much uh, graphic world building that makes it so dense that if you just if you're just kind of playing on your phone while you're watching you're not going to understand any of what's happening here yeah. ronnie i see you nodding your head and so i want to jump in the conversation with your thoughts uh yeah it's like you said it's very dense uh materially that you're dealing with here and and um i, I found myself i found myself this season re-watching the first three uh episodes because i was trying to do that and other things at the same time and um i I ended up getting lost. I mean, that's yeah. all there was to it. I mean, like, I was like, wait, 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 what? And I remember um, I tr went back and tried to watch the first season again in preparation for the second season. And I watched the first episode of season two and it jumped back in and it put me in season eight episode, uh, uh, season one, episode eight. And I was like, wait, what? And it was <laughs> like, so it was, you have to pay close attention to it. Yeah. And uh, uh, but other than, you know, once you sit down, you know, once I sat down and started actually watching it, that's when I found myself enjoying it and, and being able to follow along. Yeah. This season was a little bit easier for me to follow than the first season. The first season yeah. jumps around and it doesn't tell you where it's jumping to and from. Uh, oh, this one you. was a, <laughs> this one was a pretty straightforward story. You uh, basically had you, you basically had two different stories going on. You had. The stuff going on with Yennefer and uh, Frangilla, and then you had um, Geralt and Ciri uh, in the keep of the Witchers, uh, and and then their fates ended up being intertwined. Uh, over the course of this season, 
uh, we find out that Yennefer has lost her magic and she is driven to reclaim said magic. Um, uh, Geralt is pretty much just content to keep <laughs> Ciri out of danger, but knowing that the, the world is dangerous and there are things that he has to prepare her for, he begins to train her and she decides she wants to be a witcher. Over the course of time, she discovers that she has magic of her own and that she is the key to a bigger situation going on, which we find out at the end of the season. And that's pretty much all of season two. So let, let, let's let's talk about it. We'll start with the with the obvious thing that we should address here, which is the storyline um, from Soup to Nuts involving Geralt training Siri and their time spent in the Witcher Keep. So I'll go to you first, Ronnie. What did you think of... Um, what, what do you want to talk about in terms of Geralt's time in the keep with Siri? Oh, you're killing me. Yeah, you're killing me too. Geralt. Well, Geralt. Hard G. Hard Geralt. Got it. Gary. Got it. Okay, fine. <laughs> Gary the snail. Mm-hmm. Um, I Okay, so for the longest time, all you hear, all you hear is we're not going by the games. We're not going by the games. We're not going by the games. Uh, and all I have... All I have to go by are the games right now. Sadly, right now, um, soon I'll I'll pick them up. You know, when I yeah, there's other mat- reading material that I've 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 got to get through first. Um, but uh, this reminded me so much of the game. In what way? But, uh, he trains her there. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? uh, you know that was actually something I had in the back of my mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. do they spend this much time training Siri in the video game? I guess they do, huh? It's allusion to it. Um, I mean, you don't you don't have to train her, but the the walking on the poles and the sword you know the sword play and everything mm-hmm. um and trying to you know learn how to use her magic and even the allusion to the uh stuffed unicorn uh there's a unicorn scene in the game uh that is we'll just leave it at that um but there, there's a lot going on there that I was like well they may you know i've never read the books maybe all this is in the books too but um, th- that's all I could, you know, could think about. It's like, oh man, this is this is like the game. This is like the game. This is cool. Um, but uh, other than that, like, uh, yeah, where else is she going to train? I mean, mm-hmm. like that that father daughter relationship comes comes hard and quick in this. Uh, I feel like uh, mm-hmm. maybe I don't remember much from the last season, but. Uh, but that, you know, he, he took to her pretty quick and then he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll train you, you know, just call me a dear old dad. I was a little worried. uh, I I thought that the training sequences and the amount of time spent in the keep was going to drag the show down. It's, it's propped up by the amount of tension between her and the other witchers, especially the long haired redhead guy. And because I don't know what any of the source material is and this thing can get very graphic and adult very quickly. I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm counting down to when the red haired guy attacks her. Right, um, you know, <clears throat> something along those lines. That was my next. Yeah, I was, I was going with because there weren't that many. You know, um, and, and what I what I've dealt with. There's not that many witchers. There's only Geralt and an older guy in the game. So that was mm-hmm. really cool to see that this is actually a, um, you know, a keep for the witchers to come and 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 stay. So there was there was a lot of tension there. You know, I was with you on that. I was like, oh, this is going to get weird. This is going to get weird. Thankfully, it didn't get weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ends up in earning the respect and, and, and I, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, like it didn't drag anything down. There wasn't like any montages or weirdness. It was just, it was just, it was 
it was nicely paced. She doesn't become a you know she doesn't become the world's greatest swordsman overnight, which was oh, right. I was I, I can't tell you how terrified I was that we were that they were going to turn Siri into Ray. Yeah. Hey and hey 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 hey! Don't don't don't! I don't bring him up! Don't bring it up! Look, I I that's a very solid touchstone for everyone about this kind of thing. And they didn't. Siri gets up to do some training, and first of all, Geralt babies her just a little bit because he's yeah. still figuring out what he's how he wants to do this. And so the others kind of goad her into you know w- trying to become the American Ninja Warrior, but with <laughs> with, with swords and maces instead of foam. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I she, tell you what, man, and she gets knocked on her ass. I was gonna say more like, than once. Like I, good. I, I, I again, just as a point of comparison, like I, I again, I watched all six episodes of Hawkeye today, and stuff that like, happens to him and Haley Stan- Stanfield. I'm like, I don't really care. The, once you've seen Black Widow jump from orbit and land, you know, and land on her feet and not nary a scratch, which uh, just FYI, I, I think it was the uh, Screen Junkies um, Honest Trailer that did a countdown of every time Black Widow should have died in her own movie. <laughs> Might have been that. Um, so many. So, like, I'm numb to it all, and I and I don't have like a visceral reaction the way that it, you're supposed to when you see your hero being belted across the screen. But I did with 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 her in that when she's trying to run across the obstacle course, and those maces hit her, and she, you know, and she gets dumped on her ass. I was like, Jesus Christ, how is she not dead? Like, <laughs> kids made a story well, stuff. Well, I mean, in fairness, and in other circumstances, I think you'd be entirely correct. Though this is. This is very clearly a training device. I mean, that's right. what it exists to do. So it's very brutal, but it's yeah. not designed to be lethal. And you know, okay, neither guess, neither is the, the neither is the NFL, but shit happens. True. It's less well, less than true. lethal. Uh, oh, why did you bring up Jonathan Gresham like that? Bad <laughs> reference on my didn't, part. Didn't think I did, but okay. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I, did. I, no, I I deserve that one. <laughs> I absolutely deserve that. Anywho, one. I felt really I, bad for her, and it was well and it was well deserved. I think it's a credit uh, to the writing, yeah, and it's a credit to the special <laughs> effects that they were in the stunt team that they were able to give you something where, with all of the amount of like violence you see on on TV, they can still produce something that gives you a visceral reaction. At least well, also, it's a credit to her as well as an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a it was a well in wrestling terms a good sell. Good. Go ahead, Robert. I, I think the other thing that's important to that is you mentioned, you know, you don't care about anything that happens in Hawkeye. Well, some of that's to do with... Uh, Makes me sad. Well, I, hang on. It's not to say Hawkeye's a bad television show. It just means we'll we'll no talk about it at length. And I have a lot of glowing things to say about Hawkeye next Thursday for right. Ronnie Allen. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, once you've seen these people... They, they, just a, I mean, a, a I didn't example. say anything. I was well, just, you know. Well, no, I, I very, said something about very, very specific, and I don't need this. <laughs> nobody understands me. It's like a Life of Agony song. And and so I say, Let, I don't care what happens to these people because they get blown from one end of the continent to the other, and they're like dusting off, you know, dusting off a scratch, and that's all that happens to them. It's like well, it's hard to get invested in the, in the violence. That doesn't say the rest of the show is awesome. Go ahead, Robert. Hang on. I, and to that point... I think the fact that shows like The Witcher, and I mean, it obviously cribs very hard in some respects from Game of Thrones, uh, other shows like this go out of their way to give you appropriate stakes. Mm-hmm. No one in this show has plot armor. 
And that helps. Now, we have more plot armor here than we do in other sh- Again, Game of Thrones literally kills its main character at the end of the first season. Oh, Lord. Most yeah. of the way through the first book. I was like, Game, and, Game of Thrones and Oz have a lot in common. In that in that respect, yes. Like you, you, you. So we have more plot armor here than you do in those, but you have a lot less than pretty much every other major television property. You, you can watch Hawkeye, and you don't care when Hawkeye is. You, there's a gun to Hawkeye's head because you know, no, they're not going to kill him. Right. You know, I mean, oh, they killed Kingpin at the end. Well, yeah, if you buy that, I've got beachfront property in Omaha for you. So The Witcher. And. The point there is this show goes out of its way to establish its stakes and to full, to follow through on threats. Like there are consequences to the actions the characters take, and some of them are pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to do that in a in a narrative setting, it will that endears you to the characters so much more than power than you know the the paragon power fantasy who is never in danger, mm. who does everything right the first time. But also credit to the costuming department for making Geralt. Um, oh wow, wow, that was worse he, than the he, first one. He's just gonna do—he's gonna find different pronunciations every time until the end of the show. Um, the, the credit to the costuming department for giving him armor that looks. Uh, Ronnie, what do you think that was like? Leather armor. Yeah, that looks like you know it would be enough to protect him from you know from from most combat oriented wounds. He's not being weighed down. He's not wearing chainmail. Um, he's not, you know, so he's not tremendously weighed down. He still has a lot of agility. But chain my, mail? But... You mean plate mail, not plate chain mail. mail. Yes, not, yeah. Sorry, plate mail. Um, I didn't mean I'm wa- I'm wearing chain mail. Okay. Um, my sort point of. is that, like, he's not running around in a tunic. And, no. you know, and, 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 and because he's possessed of Superman powers, and, you know, doesn't get a scratch on him. Like, he gets messed up a couple of times. But I'm buying it because at least he's wearing you know, armor oriented to that time and place to where he should, you know, it's not stormtrooper armor. It should protect him from most attacks. So again, credit to the costuming department for making me buy into like, oh yeah, I, you know, even with his degree of super, his Witcher superpowers, I can see him getting out of most scrapes pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah, To the overall arc. Yeah. I think you're right. You know, this could have been an interminable, interlude in this i mean it's a relatively short season it's only eight episodes yeah it's uh, really yeah but even then you know they spend what four or five of those with her basically mm-hmm. in that position mm-hmm. that could have been a terrible drag on the season yeah but... i got a little worried when they first got there and they spent so much of the time just like drinking and telling stories and i'm like this is fine and all but can we move this along and i kept wondering what were they going to do with her as she sat there in her fancy wedding dress well, I, I like her, you know, series quest for identity. She's trying to fit mm-hmm. in. She's trying to figure out who she is. Right. And so that comes across, and I think that it comes across fairly well. You know, she changes her costuming uh, depending on what she's trying to do at any given point in time. She starts out in the flowery dress and then goes to the more, uh, uh, she gets like the, you know, the leather tunic and the pants because she's going to be doing stuff and doesn't need to get caught up. And then when... Uh, the other uh, when one of the other um, mages shows up, she goes back to being a bit more uh, female and flowery in her pre- uh, in what she's wearing. So her they do a lot of nice things like that to get across her searching for where she feels yeah she belongs without beating you over the head with dialogue. 
So another thing that happens while they're there is one of the witchers is um, get, runs afoul of what's called a leshy, and he ends up turning into one. And they yeah. they spent a couple of episodes dealing with that, Ronnie. What did you think of all that? I thought that I mean, like, I'm I'm all about the monster of the week shows and stuff, mm-hmm. but I thought that was a really good. I mean, like, it, it it proves that the witchers, like, although you know, like you said, they have some degree of superpower or whatever, they are they are mortal. They are, mm-hmm. you know, fallible and, and they can die. And I thought that was fantastic. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the, of the different kinds of monsters anyway. And stuff like that. I, I literally play a, a GM, a game called monster of the week where you li- it's based off the monster of the week shows like Buffy, the vampire slayer and X-Files and all that. So to actually get some depth to that, that, that was, I thought it was pretty cool. What did you think, Robert, of how they dealt kind of internally with the Leshy and some of the other stuff that was happening at the Keep in terms of monsters and whatnot? Uh, I thought it was well handled. I I especially like that this is one of the things that the first season, the way it was structured, much like the first novel, are important for what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Because you need to understand that Geralt has not only seen some shit, mm-hmm. he's, <laughs> he's incredibly capable yeah let me let me jump in with one thing there i'm generally like not a cowardly guy if even if i if i get an ass beating you know i will i I will deal with what's coming and i don't and i'm not going to cower in the face of danger however if henry cavill's ever coming at me with the eyes he had (laughs) (laughs) with the sword with the sword when when, when, when he was about to chop off yennefer's head i'm running for cover like jesus christ henry cavill Oh uh, man, it, it's quite, it gave quite the performance. Just, yeah. that, I mean, he's overall a very good actor. Oh, and yeah. he certainly has a manly presence about him. One of the few in Hollywood I could say that about. <laughs> but um, I think we can all agree. Uh, yeah. But like, he got off the horse and went right for Yennefer with those eyes. And I was like, oh god, like that's and, scarier and than any you, horror movie I've seen recently. Run, Yennefer. <laughs> you would. I would not have been shocked if he'd done it. Like, yeah. Like, you yeah. kind of know he's not going to. Hmm. But there is, and this is again to the credit of everything about the show, both the character writing, the performances, and the situation, there is that question you have in the back of your mind. Like, is he really? Like, he could, and I could believe it. Yeah, I thought (laughs) he was, yeah. I do have a question about Geralt, Robert. So Henry Cavill plays him as sort of a grumbly, mumbly character. type of speaker it's a lot we talked about this in season one every every time he, he never talks and when he does he just mumbles fuck um <laughs> which always cracked me up here he's a bit more you know there, there's a lot of conversation between here and serious so he can't just so he can't just grunt but he do, but he plays them as sort of grumbly and i was like I, I thought that was maybe an effect of being a witcher except that nobody else in the castle talks that way everybody else is like straight this off is- the cockney boat he does a little bit in some cases. Well, well, if you pay attention, he talks like the man who made him, the the oldest witcher at the keep, the one who's mm-hmm. responsible for, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, yeah, but he talks like him. Okay. Um. All look. If you want to know why Henry Cavill speaks the way he does in this, it's because he's do he does a damn near perfect imitation of the voice actor from the games. Yes. Okay. Like that that's what he's doing with this. He played the games because he's a giant nerd. God bless him. Yeah, he almost lost But lost that's a Superman. The question, why do they why do they make in the, even in the games I so much different I mean I just didn't, didn't know if you had any insight as to why he speaks differently than everyone else. Cuz it's cool. Okay. 
Uh, because because, because, because Christian Bale's Batman has affected the culture in ways none of us have realized. Eh, I I don't quite I don't quite put it at the same level as Bale's Batman because Bale's Batman voice was Did you know one hockey pants. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, like like it, I don't wow. think I don't think Bale ever really got a handle on how to talk like that the way Cavill has a handle on Geralt. Mm-hmm. Like, he's able to give you depth of emotion and tone and inflection in his voice while talking in this very... That's not... You know, like, you have to work at that voice. I don't want to go off on a tangent, but the, but Bale's Batman growl was wildly mishandled um, by Christopher Nolan. Just in general, because the whole thing about growling is you going, I'm vengeance in the shadows is not, well, you see, Catwoman, we gotta (laughs) talk about the guy. You don't understand. Why are you doing a monologue in that voice? Just talk normal, you yuck. That's that's what this feels like, my guy. (laughs) This spot represents 50% of the people. And this spot over here represents 50% of the people. Now that you've turned to the Danny DeVito. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I started blasting. <laughs> uh, I I think you're correct in the sense that the bet that the Batman voice was handled incorrectly there. I mean, and I don't know how much of this I want to lay at Nolan or at Bale or at some mm-hmm. combination of you know, or Goyer or you know whoever. But look, the best way, the best handling of the Batman and Bruce Wayne vocal dichotomy is still from Batman the animated series. Okay, so rounding back to The Witcher. So rounding back, you asked again. You asked about the voice. Yeah. Um, you do he does this. it. He, he does it because that's the way he sounds in the game. Yeah. And okay. He sounds the way in. He sounds that way in the game because that's the way they wanted him to sound. I suppose. I. Okay. I genuinely. I'm. I'm okay with that. It. You're correct in that it doesn't. He doesn't quite sound the way everyone else sounds. Mm-hmm. Part of that is also because everyone who's a Witcher comes from a different place. Yeah. Okay, but and some of them come at different times in their lives. Some of them have different accents developed by the time they, uh, from when they were earlier in childhood. Geralt's very clearly comes from the man who made him and the man who mentored him in the Order, and that's a, and he's basically done like that's been his whole life basically. Mm-hmm. So that's where his speech patterns and his vo- and some of what he does comes from. Other people they come from slightly different locations, so it's a big. Mel- the Witcher place is not a, you know, it's not a nationality. It's not a, it's not anything like that. It's a, they're a melting pot. You know, the Witchers go out and take orphans and mm-hmm. try to make them Witchers. And okay. you, so you come from wherever. Anything else about that part of the show, Robert, before we move on to Yennefer's story? Sorry. Uh, I was just think about which I'm from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> Uh, I think the last thing I wanted to mention, you brought up the Leshy that it, and how it attacked them, and one of the earlier points I, was, I wanted to make. Um, the entire intro being, you know, Geralt has seen a lot of stuff, and he can mm. handle himself. So when things go sideways, like, okay, I know how, you know, Leshies are dying out because they can't reproduce. Well, this one infected one of the fellow witchers, and well, that doesn't happen. Well, okay, we got a real problem then when things don't work the way they're supposed to work and have been observed to work for the last however many hundreds or thousands of years. Like that's a right. real problem. So 
when they go out and they try to like i loved that bit of mystery that was added here because they pay it off in they don't pay it off entirely but they pay it off in the way you should you take the next lot you take the next step like okay these aren't working the way they're supposed to work and then the giant nightmare fuel that comes out and just tears the tree in half <laughs> and they have to fight uh leading Geralt to kind of go okay this thing none of us have ever seen this thing so what mm -hmm. the hell <laughs> and trying to figure out like that bit of mystery is one of the nice driving points of the plot and again it's not completely resolved by the end of the season but you have resolved the first step and you're ready to take the next one for the next season which is a good bit of pacing as far as that goes all right um let's move on to yennefer but before we do pay some bills we got the skills to pay the bills don't we robert well in that in that i know we're not going to talk a lot about yeskier this time around because he's a much smaller character than he was in the first season sad but we don't quite get a song that's as awesome as, or as uh, actually no. There's awesome. nothing as good as throw throw a coin. At there's your nothing witch. quite as catchy as throw a coin to your Witcher. I will say Gosh, though, toss you, dude. There's... I also said throw a coin at your Witcher. <laughs> I was talking about you. <laughs> there is also there are some really awesome covers of the. Uh, the prison blues song that he sings at one point. <laughs> oh, I, I, we must talk about that later. Um, but in the meantime, well, I don't think the writing needs any kind of correction here. If, uh, you know, oh, if you, however, are looking to, I, I, I knew where you were going, and that's not the order I want to do this in. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, they could have used Grammarly. Grammarly's AI powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake free on Gmail, Facebook, uh, Twitter. LinkedIn and nearly anywhere else you read on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. All right. So there was an attack at the end of last season. Yennefer uh, did some sort of chaos magic, and there was she, fire she, involved. Yeah, and... She channeled fire, which okay. you're not supposed to do because right. it consumes your connection and your ability to channel chaos. Right. So she ends up being captured by some sort of opposing army for the first part of this season. She, she's captured by the last like remnants of the army that attacked them. The um, oh, Why is the name hey. escaping me? She's, she's with Fringilla, and what we find out over the course of the uh, first couple episodes is she no longer has her magic. Yeah. And her story over the, you know, from, from beginning to end is a quest to reclaim her magic. Uh, she ends up running afoul of what ends up kind of being the big bad of this season, as near as I can tell. Uh, something along the lines of the mother, the demon mother, what the hell faceless is mother. The faceless mother, who basically tells her, bring the child to the door and, you know, you'll have your powers back. And when she realized, and when um, she ends up uh, escaping some sort of peril with Siri. And uh, over the course of their getting to know one another, she realized what Siri is. And she's like, oh, well, this was a terrible decision. And that, of course, is what causes um, Henry Cavill to nearly cut her head off. But uh, so, you know, talk about Yennefer and Fringilla, who separate at some point. They end up, they start, uh, their stories start uh, conjoined and then they separate in, in the back half of the show. What did you think of those parts of the show, Ronnie? Ask your question again, because I, just talk about Yennefer, Yennefer and Fringilla. Oh, I mean, like, can I? Okay, I I like the character, but I mm -hmm. was less interested in her than I was 
the whole Siri and um, Geralt thing. I, I I don't I don't I don't know why. I, I, every time she came on screen, other than like when she was about to be eviscerated by by a look, um, God, he, that was just terrifying. But um, I, it was just one of those things where like I, I don't know. I found her a very selfish character. Um, okay. but then again, I found her almost sympathetic because of where she came from, how she was treated and everything else. It was just, I, I don't know. I've just, uh, I feel like I've seen this storyline before mm-hmm. so many times that it, it, and I hate to say this, it's not boring, but it can get boring to me. Yeah. The, the depowered character trope is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like one of those things like, well, it's not even the depowered character trope. It's the, the revenge trope that turned into the depowered character trope. That I'm just like, uh, can you just, you know? It, it seems like her entire story this season was a, you know, was a, a, it was in the service of getting to the next thing. Like, yeah, like th- this felt very much like an Empire Strikes Back, you know, middle chapter for her in particular. Absolutely. I am somewhat with Geralt and, um, and Siri too, but less so. Definitely with Yennefer. I, I'm not going to pronounce it right. I just refuse at this point. Um, <laughs> I know, and that's why I'm laughing. So, you know, I I feel like, you know, with her, it was a lot of, there's a place we're going to get to, this is the bridge to get there, and sorry if it's not that interesting to all of you, but it's necessary yeah, in terms it, of story. Absolutely necessary in, sto- in terms of story. Well, I, will never I, t- I will never take away from anybody that, that loves that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just absolutely love that storyline. That's great. That's great. I just feel like that I've seen it that many times, and that I'm like, Eh, you know, okay. Um, let's let's go. Um, you know what? It I, just wanted, me of? I wanted to be a part of the Super Friends. It remind. It, well, here's the thing. It kind of reminded me of Dune in that when you when you lay in that much heavy world building, and you know, Game of Thrones kind of had a, a very similar issue where there there's so mu- there's so much specificity in terms of who the races are and what they're fighting over and why they're fighting and who's allied with who. That if you don't either you don't have like great recall or you're paying super attention or you don't write it down. You, it, it all become you're just kind of watching images flash on the screen. It's hard to buy into any of it because like, I have no idea why the elves and the humans are fighting other than maybe right. the elves and humans. And I don't know who's on whose side. Cause it all gets a little convoluted after a while, but I don't know. What did you think, Robert? Uh, well, uh, briefly about Yennefer, yeah, it's a very it's a very common thing to have that uh, to have this arc for a character. I think it's held up in this case by one the uh, the performance, which is yeah. still solid. Two, I think the fact that she's able to kind of t- attach to other things that are happening while she's depowered for a chunk of when she's depowered mm-hmm. lends her some creed. Like she's not doing nothing. Right. She's still active. She's still engaged in the world. She still has goals sure. and hopes, dreams and whatnot. She's being attacked and, left and right. Yeah. You, know, you have the one too. scene that was bordering on like sexual assault with uh, the one guy from the brotherhood. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. At, and I think that's an important thing. If you're going to depower a character, you know, you can't have them wallow for the entire time and you can't right. have them be snippy. The, they have to continue living. And she does. She's still, again, she's still doing stuff. She, she's trying to save a bunch of the elves from the, from, you know, the 
being rounded up into concentration camps, basically, while she's got no power. She's she's still active. And that's one of the things you have to keep in mind if you're going to write one of these things for one of she your characters. A, she does have a great hero movement. It's one of the few things in the show that I could you know, recall off the top of my head and say, like, what does she do? Well, she has this. They tell her, prove your loyalty, kill this guy, execute him. And she's she like, does. yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And, nah, uh, and she, she helps have. him. <laughs> she helps him escape on, escape on horseback. Okay, she should have because Robert just wants to watch the world burn in his grease paint, or she should have because it would have serviced the plot in some way, Psycho. A little Both. from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't have to choose there. Can it, it, it is both? Like, like you have the opportunity. Well, okay, explain the. I don't care about your own psychosis. Explain the plot one. You have one of the commanding generals of this invading army at your mercy. And your decision to save him is predicated on you not trusting the order that we're, that you're sworn to. I, I, look, I'm not saying that she, I'm not saying it was a dumb decision. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, well, let me put it this way: in that moment, that could go either way, legitimately, mm -hmm. and you can still tell pretty much the rest of that story either way. In terms of like a pure hero moment, though, if she kills the guy, are we as the audience supposed to buy her as any kind of a hero? And I think that's more of my point. Mm -hmm. I, you know, at, at while you guys may be steeped in the lore and very much fans of high fantasy, remember that their Netflix is always also going for as many general audience people as they can. Oh, and absolutely. If they, and if they see somebody who's for you know a main character do something non heroic, I think you'll lose part of the audience. Absolutely. I, Sorry. Go ahead. Look, you might, and I'm. I'm certainly. Uh, I. I did not like want to put my head through a wall at that moment. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things. Jeez. Let me put it like this. I almost feel like her not killing him. I don't want to say it was out of character because it wasn't, but that felt a little bit. Like that's the closest I think that, and there's one other moment. That's the closest we get to feeling the hand of the author here right mm -hmm. like it's not that she can't justify what she did but you could equally justify a couple of other things so the author had to make a choice and it made and they made a choice to serve as something that happens further down the line so it's it's thing in a really really minor uh squabble as far as that goes um so the other thing you mentioned was you know, the alliance about the elves and who the, and them being you know persecuted horribly by certain human kingdoms and fleeing to the other kingdom that's invading everyone. Uh, this the first season the invading armies are very much painted as stormtroopers like this mm -hmm. is the evil empire, this is the forces of Mordor. Here we thankfully and I I, I don't need Game of Thrones complexity where no one's the good guy. Mm -hmm. But I don't hate real complexity where, you know, the the kingdoms that we've been attached to so far and have seen, you know, good and bad become xenophobic and potentially genocidal. So maybe the invading army being a little bit more hospitable and open to the elves showing up, you know, there's they're not all bad and they're not all good. No one is. And I appreciate them being able... They handled that about as deftly as you're going to handle it in this kind of a format. And I, I think that's to their credit. Um, I was terrified. <laughs> Th this show gave me like three heart attacks. Because I saw what they were doing. And I went... 
you're this close to the edge, right? <laughs> and if you step over it, there's almost no going back. Like, like you're treading a very fine line here. Again, one of them was Siri starting her Witcher training. Like, okay, if you turn her into a Mary Sue, who is just great at this right off the bat, I'm out. Like, there's no reason for that. And thankfully, they didn't. Here, we go to this, again, the invading kingdom. And our, again, our, like, field commander, not the emperor, but the field commander is captured. So for a while, this city is ruled by the Rainbow Coalition. <laughs> and somewhere in my head, like, oh boy, <laughs> if everything's great and everything's peachy, as long as the women are in charge and as soon as the men show up, everything goes to hell. I'm like, you, that's close. Like, mm -hmm. you can see what... Fortunately, and I do mean fortunately, they never get that way. Like, Fringilla is deferential to, forget the commander's name, for most of, mm -hmm. uh, whenever he's around. She is deferential to him, and she's still processing, you know, her trauma and whatnot. And so I get that. And thankfully, you know, by the you know, near the end of it, she makes a power play. And I loved when that blew up in her face, not because I dislike her, but because I don't need that. Like if mm -hmm. your evil emperor has to be competent and if he's falling for that, he's fallen for anything. <laughs> so I I, I, I I was just I was terrified that this is what we're going to do. Like there's going to be everything's going to be peace and harmony and rainbows and puppy dogs and your messaging is going to get wonky about this. And thankfully, like these, the two, uh, the, in this case, it's the pregnant elf and Fringilla as kind of the, the two people most in charge of this city. They're good at governance. They're not perfect. They screw things up. Some things don't work out all that well, but it's not, they never make it an issue of, well, if only, if only it was X in charge, then everything would be, you know, puppies and rainbows. It's more that she knows what she's doing. These these two people are competent in this regard. And when the other guy shows back up, he's a military commander, not a city planner. So things start going wonky because he his mindset is wrong. For what for not wrong. It's different than what they're trying to accomplish. And that's a degree of nuance that you just don't get in most of these in most shows these days. That so I appreciated that. If I've got a gripe about this, um, this is true of this show. This is true of the Wheel of Time series. This is true of a lot of shows these days. And my brother pointed this out to me, and I can't unsee it. In any shot where there are more than three people. They go out of their way to make sure every possible ethnicity is represented. <laughs> okay. And let me ask you a question, just on. so people well, so okay. people are clear. Your problem is not with representation. No. Your not at problem all. is mm -hmm. it's never presented as organic or no. in in any kind of service to the story it only you know it, it's more virtue signaling and messaging than anything else it, it, it's um did you see the kid disney movie with bruce willis no uh, there's, a, there's a scene in that near the beginning where he's trying to get an executive out of trouble like he, he's a fixer in like a pr sense mm -hmm. uh, 
And he says, okay, we're going to fix this. So here's what I need. I need you, Big Mouth. First of all, shut up. Twitter wasn't a thing when this was made, but the impl- stop tweeting. Mm-hmm. We're going to record you, and you're going to get pied in the face by a bunch of kids because something he said that was like insulting to children. Mm-hmm. So he looks at somebody else and says, I need a dozen kids. I need five white, three black, two Asian. And like he goes down a list of the, uh, I need this number of this ethnicity, and they're all going to take turns pieing you in the face. Well, you say I deserve this. Everyone will have a laugh and we'll move on. But that's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And if I might briefly mention about like Wheel of Time, or this is true here. When you get to a big city, sure, big cities have widely, you know, even medieval ones like this, especially this kind of, you know, fantasy. They, a big city can have a wildly diverse population. Cool. Knock yourselves out. I don't even... I don't care that the elves are a diverse people. They should be if they've been around long enough and had different clans that grew up in different parts of the continent with different uh, needs as far as how human as how, how human beings evolve and whatnot. Sure, that's not a that's not a big deal at all. When when your rustic backwater town <laughs> in the middle of no in the ass end of nowhere just so happens to have eight white people, two black, two Hispanic, one Chinese. <laughs> like, <laughs> you see, that's when the problems start to pile up. Now, in cre- fairness to Witcher, it's not as bad as Wheel of Time, where it's, oh, it is painfully obvious. But it is a thing that becomes a bit of a problem in The Witcher only because... Um, xenophobia and ethno-nationalism are pretty big themes in the material and they start to come out in this season Uh, the the hatred of the elves and the way they're persecuted and the elves hatred of humanity and the long like another thing about the show thankfully a good thing neither side is right Mm -hmm. like okay rounding up and trying to exterminate the elves is a unambiguous evil there okay, no yeah, debate. I was gonna say hang on. Like no. that's an unambiguous evil. There is no debate. The elves seeking to wipe out humanity and reclaim everything that was theirs at the expense of every man, woman, and child is an unambiguous evil. This show, thankfully, thankfully, is not at all afraid to paint historical victims as villains given what they choose to do. Like these are people who are, who are able to make choices <coughs> and that's what defines them. Not what happened to them 800 years ago. Right. And this is another thing that so many other media properties these days get asked backwards. They expect you to empathize with whoever has had the most historical wrongs foisted upon them and not care that, you know, our, uh, our lead elf, the elf queen one of her last scenes is literally murdering children. <laughs> right. This is this is after some mysterious person has murdered her own baby. Yeah. That, that I guess she could she thought she couldn't have or something along those lines. Um, but this was all like a big machination to you know this it, this was shooting this this was the the assassination of the uh, you know Ferdinand to get the war started from what I could tell. So, mm. Something along those lines, yes. And. Right. 
and I I just wanted to briefly say I appreciate that mm. there are good humans, there are bad humans, there are good mm-hmm. elves, there are bad elves. There's that level of complexity is very much missing in a lot of media, and it's very much a breath of fresh air here. So I want to give them kudos for that. Uh, hey, let me get Ronnie back in here. Ronnie, we're just about running out of time here. I didn't know if there was anything on your mind that you wanted to talk about with the show, or um, if you're like, eh, it's good. It, it, I mean, it's good. I mean, like, mm-hmm. he, he's bringing up a lot of really, really good uh, uh, topics along with lines of, like, the elves, and and uh, he, uh, it, it, it's one of those things where, like, okay, she's helping free the elves. That's really awesome, but they're dicks, too. Uh, so where do we go from here? You know, so uh, it, it it's one of those shows where like it, it it's he's like I can't really add anything to what Robert's been, you know been right. saying. Let so. me ask you a question. I don't know if you know what this is. That at the end, the the sort of stinger at the end of the show is uh, the the wild hunt or whatever. Yeah. What is the significance of the hunt? Um, what what is in store for us in season three? If that's in fact what they deal with. <sighs> Uh, it seemed it was one of those things where somebody who has no idea about any about the IP, you know, Henry Cavill uh, does those lines with the the, the 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 man never like emits any kind of fear in two seasons of this show. When he talked about the wild hunt, there was a palpable anxiety about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So the wild hunt, go. The wild hunt, from what I understand, is almost an apocalyptic event uh, of. It's it's not like otherworldly or spectral creatures. It's an actual being, from what I understand, um, from the book. I'm I, I'm trying not to go through the games because uh, if I if I quote the games and, and tell you what happens in the game, I'm going to be absolutely wrong. Uh, I have a feeling, but in in that uh, in 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 the games, it's these creatures that are coming from another from another world, or, you know, from another realm. Uh, that want Siri uh, for her power for her elder blood, okay. and uh, so that's kind of where we're going from there. All right, Robert, if you want to add anything about the Wild Hunt, go ahead. But the last point about the about this, and then we're we're going to close up for the night. Uh, it is revealed that there is another character who makes his return, who turns out is Siri's father. What is the so? If you want to touch on the Wild Hunt, go ahead in fifty words or less, and then talk about Siri's dad, and then we're we're going to call it a night. Uh, the wild hunt is, uh, Ronnie's mostly, Ronnie's, uh, you're mostly accurate here. It's not a, it's not just a reference to an event. It's not a ephemeral thing. It's a real group of people. Mm-hmm. It's kind of their version of the four horsemen. Okay. Uh, so them releasing the faceless mother at the end to go to the other, this, this other plane of existence and rejoin the wild hunt is a bad thing yeah because they they're gaining power and eventually uh, one of the things they want siri is for her ability to break down the barriers between worlds mm. which is actually what caught co- the entire continent world of the witch is a fun uh one to get into because it was made by what's called i think they call it the conjunction of the spheres which is actually a bunch of different planets and realities that were forced together and overlapped that's why if you go into different parts of the game world, you get stuff from like contemporary America. Okay. Like you get some wonky stuff there because these different worlds were forced together and uh, yeah. the continent as it stands is simply the end result of that. So these things live on another planet essentially and are looking to come through and wreak all kinds of havoc because mm-hmm. that's what they want to do. Uh, 
So yeah, and seeing Geralt be a bit of afraid again, like this works because he's stared down everything that you could possibly imagine and has given just doesn't care at all. Like he's not <laughs> a and suddenly this though, and oh boy. Um so, yeah. so. I mean Cavill's performance in that was, oh, was yeah. brilliant as well. Because like you said, you think he's going to cut off this woman's head that he's fallen madly in love with and you know and then just for to see a man with such rage and such you know um passion passion, well i I was gonna say poised rage Mm -hmm. um because he never really loses his mind but you can tell that there's anger and rage built up there um that all of a sudden he's afraid he's afraid of this thing the thing is going to happen to these people and I was like, man, that's really cool. And I forgot about series. Almost, I almost forgot about series. Uh, power to, to to go between worlds. So that's part of her elder blood, you know. And um, it, like I said, I'm quoting the games again. I don't want to do that. I really need to read the books. Um, well, uh, series responsible for I think my only real moment of this show when I kind of rolled my eyes. That's when Yennefer's taking her to is is kind of taking her towards the door, and they get to the river they can't cross. So the first the first time when she's like, "Okay, you've got power, you can raise the bridge." Yeah, and and it's a struggle for her, and starts bleeding from her eyes. Like, okay, and she can't quite do it. Like, okay, then because they need to be on the other side of the river, she screams in frustration. Them and their horses are transported over there, and I just about like my eyes rolled out the back of my head. Like, oh come on. You're better than this. Uh, it's well, it's the whole Luke and the X-wing, you know. Uh, so okay, last thing. Serious dad. You brought up serious. Yeah, I was. You could see it coming as he speaks in the end, like when he's giving his when he's uh, you know or when he's giving his orders and he starts talking about the importance of getting Siri. Uh, as soon as he starts in on that, like his insistence on it, like oh. Yeah, you You're, knew. You, you you knew. It's still a really good stinger because yeah. uh, you know, her mother is dead, and we know that they died in a a boat, uh, some kind of a crash, and we don't know what happened to him. So I was, I was, it was a good stinger. I I liked it. You know, even if it's a touch predictable when you get into that scene, it's only predictable in that scene. Um, the other, every, every other bit where, you know, the emperor is saying, bring me this girl, like she's powerful. Okay. How does he know? Well, I'm interested to know how he knows, but there's any number of ways he could know that mm-hmm. as, as it, you know, how did the emperor know any of the stuff he knew that there's a bunch of ways you're willing to go along with that. Uh, but when, as he kept talking about just how important she was like, Oh, like the way he's doing it. And some of the word choice, like it becomes clear, it's more than just she's a tool. Uh, you know, this is something that matters to him. So I, I bought the stinger. Can't wait for the next season. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as this season overall, uh, some there are some things I liked about it relative uh, more than the first season. Others, it's kind of a two step, two step thought, forward, one step back. I thought back. this was well better paced. Yes. Um, there are parts of season one that really dragged for me, and I thought, yeah, I, I, I thought they, they they structure each episode enough so that at least by the end of it, somebody had mentioned, um, and I can't remember where I heard this from, that like Netflix does something so you know that does something at the very end so that you'll keep watching, you yeah, know, they, they want you to they, binge the whole thing, they do, 
So they and, always try to end on mini cliffhangers. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I thought The Witcher, but that was good though, because like, and so in terms of tension, there would always be rising tension, rising tension, rising tension, some sort of big explosion and a, a oh moment. And then, you know, you like, you want to keep watching to see what happens next. And I thought, I thought this season did a better job of that than the previous season. Uh, I'll give you that. Um, I think this season, uh, it, the action took a big step back. Yeah. Uh, it, it, both in terms of quantity and quality. He doesn't uh, have a really good sword fight in this one. He did no. never see. He's Here, got, this, one, he's more, this is more hack and slash with monsters. There's yeah. one decent fist fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're, there's not a big, there's not really a big action set piece to kind of hang your hat on for this uh, see, the closest they get is w- the one right near the end when all the like pseudo dragons are being summoned. I will say this though, if you're, you know, the one action scene was when he saved Siri from the town guards that caused tension to. Yeah. yeah, that was brutal and awesome. Yeah, and it's oh, probably yeah. it's in terms of action, it's better than any monster slaying scene because yeah. the, the stuff with the monsters was. I mean, not that any of it's bad or anything, but you can, you know, it's it's obviously it's him playing with like a lot of siege you know cgi and special effects Some, and whatnot. yeah again like those those vary wildly but from mm-hmm. scene to scene i also here's the thing like seeing him brutally take out a squad of guards feels more gritty and realistic to me than when he's trying to cut off you know trying to kill a giant priamantis yeah and and be, and that's because like i uh, like I'd, i'm not sitting here I, the, i'm not sitting here thinking well the priamantis doesn't you know but what about the priamantis's children like it's just, it's just it, you. But my baby is. You're flat as he as he knocks the teeth out of that one. But like that that fight they have in the library, like that's mm-hmm. one of the only good ones. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, like, and look, it, that's not that I don't want to see him fight monsters. The show is that's that's part of that's at least part of this show. But you, but a one, they're not going to kill Henry Cavill. Two, you know he's going to kill the monster, and. Not that I don't think he's going to be successful with the guards, but something else may happen that at least I'm interested. Or just watching one man brutalize a squad of other men. He may get knocked out or, or yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's more interesting to me than him fighting the giant Priamantis, who I don't identify with at all. So it look so it like, you know, for a moment it looks cool. And then it's like, okay, I they thankfully also don't draw those out. This is these aren't 20 minute fight scenes. Yeah. Uh, that helps it, but the action took a step back as far as that goes, all things considered, from the first season, which had multiple uh, sequences across the entire first season that were really good. We don't quite get that same level here, which I might, like, I, I'll give them a little bit of credit of slack because they might have been dealing with COVID restrictions as far as like they might have had other stuff they wanted to do but couldn't. Like, there's no way you were going to shoot a big army sequence, the kind that you got in the first season here, because cramming that many people that close together is just going to cause you all kinds of problems, depending on where you're shooting in the world. Uh, keep Go ahead and say, finish what you're saying, but I want to see when principal photography started on season two. Okay. Um, the first, so if we kind of look at the seasons of television of this show thus far, season one was a lot of introduction for all the relevant characters. This is a lot of setup. There's a lot of uh, mystery introduction, and then you can kind of set. So now we know, you know we got we were told names in the first season of you know kingdoms and whatnot. Now we have motivations. Okay. Now we have char- okay. Filming for the second season began in London in early 2020, um, and we you know so we were 
just dealing with we're starting to deal so with they got locked down pretty sh- yeah pretty but was halted it. for two weeks in march due to concerns over covid actor um christopher something confirmation said that he tested positive for covid may of 2020 film and television film and television productions that were filming in the uk were given permission to resume yeah so like they they had to take two months off for this um the show resumed pre-production in july and officially resumed filming in august yeah, so this, you know, to say, and then they got halted again in November. So they finally wrapped filming for the second season on April second of twenty twenty one. Gee, you think this got delayed a bit? Just a bit. So, like I said, I'm willing to give them a little bit of an asterisk here about mm-hmm. certain things that they might have had better other ideas and other things they wanted to do that they couldn't for real world concerns. And like I said, I. I I'm willing to give them the acknowledgement that that's why, but I'm also going to acknowledge that that's what happened. Like that, that is that the end product suffers. Uh, I think the last thing I wanted to say, the acting here is all great. One except there's only one bit in this show that makes me roll my eyes because I can't for the life of me figure out why the, um, the jackass mage Stregobor who has been wrong every time he's spoken and for some reason, our Council of Learned Mages still, like, does he have tenure or something? What's going on here? <laughs> like, like, there's there's no reason those people should take anything he says seriously based on all the available evidence, evidence that they have. Like, I'm not saying, how dare you not know about what took place in a dark alley between two other characters. Like, actual evidence that this guy's an idiot, and yet he's... Everything he says still carries tremendous, like, no, sorry. I, there's no reason for him to still be in the position that he's in. And that's the only thing that I think really kind of gets my goat. Um, the act, like I said, the acting is all great. Henry Cavill is just, he's the man. All right. You uh, mentioned before that, um, that there was a, a, some pretty fun covers of the, uh, the song, the, the, the bard sings while he's in, jail well he's got and... he's got two songs this time around one is the um burn butcher burn song which is which i re- love it is, it's a nice little song like that's our reintroduction to dandelion well, here wanting to hear any of those you should check out uh, amazon music unlimited as a matter of fact we're giving away a free trial of the amazon music unlimited service you at don't get say amazon, i do say at get amazon music.com slash w2m network again it's get amazon music.com slash w2m network if you want to see all ninety-seven thousand versions of toss a coin at your witch's head um that'll be there for you there are at least there are at least that many versions of that song yeah if you want to hear any of the new stuff covered by uh these same people go ahead and use our free giveaway of the amazon music unlimited service all right um did you say did you say uh, throw a quarter to your wisher (laughs) yes okay toss a coin in your wishing well you sound like my dad uh (laughs) throw a coin to the good that's okay. I think I mentioned on a different show. My father keeps um take this quarter, shine my, take my quarter, shine my shoes. Come on, boy. My father who keeps like pronoun- mispronouncing things. Um, I can't remember what it was now. All right, so that's our review of The Witcher season two. Um this Ab- week. Absolutely worth your time if you're loosely inclined. A good a solid continuation from the first season. Can't wait for the next one. Uh I missed the I was watching the show and realized how much I missed it uh, as it was going on. Like, 
Well, tomorrow um, we have an Everyone Loves a Bad Guy re-air. It was a show that Robert did on Freddy Krueger because um, Scream comes out tomorrow and we've already re-aired our Scream retrospectives. Um, part one was Scream 1 and Scream 2. Part two was Scream 3 and Scream 4. Uh, go back and listen to those if you have a second, especially that that second one where we discussed Scream 4. It was actually a really good conversation. So um, Robert was with the, with Sean and I for that, and we had a, a good time was had by all as near as I can tell. That's not one where if I had to go back and edit it, I have to edit a lot out. We, we uh, mostly we a, stayed on topic. Yeah, we, we stayed on topic. We had some good discussion. Uh, Scream 4 is an interesting. Yeah, we had we did, as I think back on it. That was... That, that movie engendered more discussion than I thought it would when I was just watching it again for the show. Sure. Um, Saturday, uh, we're going to re-air Robert's discussion with Benjamin J. Cologne. Um, uh, they did a Wes Craven tribute when he passed away a few years ago. So we're going to re-air that. And then Rob, on one of my many hiatuses back then, <laughs> see, now I'm, I'm going four, five, six days a week. Back then, I used to take an entire month off. Um, <laughs> I don't know what happened here. But uh, during... <laughs> During one of my many hiatuses, either to have children or to go on cruises. Um, or both. Or both. Uh, Robert Winfrey and Sean Comer did a retrospective of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Part one airs Sunday. Um, and they did. They, they didn't do this the way Sean and I used to do. Sean and I used to, used to go chronologically. Whenever Sean and Robert got together, like, okay, first episode, good stuff. Second episode, horrible stuff. So well, the first on the... On the plus side, when it comes to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, that does offer a very clear delineation point that is almost chronological. Uh, so they did the original Nightmare on Elm Street, then Dream Warriors, then Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and then everything else is in the second episode, and that airs Monday. And then, Robert, um, we will be, us Witcher folk, will be rejoining again on Tuesday night. It'll be myself, Ronnie Adams, and Robert Winfrey talking Scream 5. We will have a second round table because this is yet another one where 97 people wanted to be on, and I said, no, no I, one gets in to see the wizard, not nobody, not know how. Apparently, this annoys if you this has annoyed people, so I'm just gonna throw it out there. I have to reference this outlet in particular because you like to try and troll me about them. I thought you were gonna say I've annoyed people about the round no, no, table. No, I'm like, on. they can only no, 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 no. <laughs> but apparently, the of uh, the movie review of Scream 5 from the vaunted halls oh, of variety yeah. <laughs> actually spoils the ending. Yeah, I haven't read any reviews yet, but I, I know Jeremy Thomas of 401 Mania put out a tweet saying, hey, if you'd like the movie not ruined for you, avoid these outlets. <laughs> uh, uh, look, man, it's just, there's a reason I say variety is not worth the digital paper it's printed on. It's not um, the Superblog team-ups coming up this week. We are honoring the great George Perez, who has got some bad medical news recently. So um, we're going to look at his Marvel... Um, comics that he did for uh, Log an adaptation of Logan's Run, and we're going to compare that to the movie, and that's our contribution to the Superblog team-up celebrating the life and times of George Perez. We'll have re-airs of our Ozark Season 1 and Season 2 uh, reviews, and then Thursday night, it'll be myself, Ronnie Adams of the Screaming Boy Podcast, and Al Sedano of the uh, Resurrections, a Warlock and Thanos podcast, and we will be talking Hawkeye. Yeah, that was... Can I tell you my favorite gag from Hawkeye? I haven't mm -hmm. even seen the show, but I've seen enough clips to know this gag. Hawkeye has a Thanos was right mug. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I didn't even notice that either. That's he does. And it's great. <laughs> um, and then uh, Friday, we will have a re-airing of our Battle Beast No More Hollywood Endings review. And then in the evening time, Jason Teasley... 
Jesse Starcher and I will be reviewing Dummy Season 1, which was originally a Quibi series. It's now on the Roku channel. This is my favorite thing ever, and I haven't even seen it yet. This is Anna oh. Kendrick palling around with a sex doll. I cannot wait. This is my next. Tonight, tonight's date night movie was Secretary. Next week's date night movie, Dummy. My so, wife is really regretting that I'm picking all the date night movies that, uh, of late. Oh, come on. Hold on. Hold on. Just a second. What? There's no way your wife regrets Secretary. I We watched it tonight. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like Your wife will absolutely regret Dummy. 100%. <laughs> There's no way your she wife... She hated Secretary. Her, really? My wife is, yeah, my wife that is not... That surprises me. Well, she's not... She likes her smutty books, but um, the the first scene of Maggie Gyllenhaal walking with her hands bound with the bar behind her neck, she's, she's like, I can already tell I'm going to hate this. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what I don't know what kind of smut then you're into because like the one minute you're telling me you like the bondage smut, the next minute you the next minute you see the bondage smut on the screen and you're like, I, this isn't for me. The pop, it doesn't the, look how I how I envisioned it. Yeah, this doesn't look nearly as fun as I thought it would be. Um, I think the other her, her problem with uh with secretary secretary is definitely one of those like indie type films like it's filmed like it looks like it's filmed on like traditional film like the way spun was and um and donnie darko and some of these other you know like classic uh late 90s early 2000s up its own ass genre of indie film that we all love that we all grew up with you know my mom hates all that like, like I jokingly said the other night, like I like the money pit. My wife really likes the money pit. Like she is that person. <laughs> okay. Do uh, not I, disparage the money pit. No, it's a Family Guy joke. There, he's, oh he's, yeah, okay. Yeah. He, you know, so like, when we say like I like the money pit, like you, you know, I think I I, I was kidding the, her about yeah, the was, inference there being I don't like the Godfather. I like right. the money pit. So she, so I'm coming out of the bathroom and. You know, and she's just like, Look, I love hanging out with you, and I love you know that we have these couch date nights. But you, but these movies you pick are terrible. And I'm like, all right, stepfathers. And she's like, shoot me out of the room. Go <laughs> <laughs> do your podcast, you Archie Fartsy. I'm. You should have thrown. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry at her or something like that. You, you, <laughs> like, you like grown ups too? Is that where we're going she with? She does. This? She loves grown ups too. What's wrong with Grown Ups 2? I don't know. Why don't you date my wife, Ronnie? I, what can I tell you? <laughs> Listen, I like the artsy-fartsy, but I also just like turning my brain off and watching Adam Sandler, you know, every once in a while. She did not appreciate the event that was cinema in the name of Secretary. So we'll see how she does with Dummy. But then after but then after Dummy, I got three weeks ahead of me of the of the Fifty Shades movies. Don't. Well, hang on. I, that was the agreement let, we made. Let me rephrase. <laughs> if you insist on watching that shit, <laughs> I have at least three YouTube videos that you need to see. All right. Well, send them, send them to me. We're not talking about it right now. That's uh, all hey, my... let me Let me put it here. I mean, this guy's channel oh, is more popular Christ. than ours anyway. But watch the Lost in Adaptation by Dominic Noble on, okay. that, on that trio of uh, adaptations. He roasts the hell out of them and he concludes after reviewing the last movie by literally burning the first book <laughs> i've actually i went on a date with a co-worker um to go see the third one and she had to kind of like fill me in on what this and i, and I was like i really you know i really like this girl so i kept a lot of comments to myself but there's 90 minutes of my life i want back you're gonna want a lot more than just 90 minutes if you're watching all three 
<laughs> All right. Ronnie of the Screaming Boy Podcast. Go ahead and do your plugs. Hey, I've got a um I've got a Twitch channel called Misfits and Miscreants. Uh we do uh we do actual play through D on there. So we set up some cameras, we play D D, and you get to watch it and interact with us. Um it's a lot of fun. We're playing Rhyme of the Frost uh Icewind Dale Rhyme of the Frost Maiden right now. Um it's every other week. Um starting tomorrow night. I am streaming some uh Magic the Gathering play, a lot of play, which is uh we're gonna be playing EDH, which in other terms is called Commander. Um, so we're gonna have some commander decks out, tell you what our decks do, and then just see who wins. Uh it's never me. I will tell you that. Never me. <laughs> um but uh we're gonna have some other stuff coming up um you know some more games uh you know card games board games but uh i want to uh, we're going to also do some more uh tabletop role-playing games um i just picked up uh, several different systems several different games from di- several different systems i picked up the alien uh role-playing game which is um a d6 system it looks amazing uh picked up the fallout uh, role-playing game which is 2d20 um uh, and then dune uh role-playing game as well so we've got a lot of stuff coming up that i want to you know uh get out there and 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 just you know uh i've got a lot of great players that need the spotlight on them uh just it, just we have a blast doing it it's not to get famous it's not to piggyback off critical role or anything like that we just have a fun time doing it and we have people that like to watch it so um uh, you know they live vicariously through us i guess um but uh it's a lot of fun so please come out and watch it i'm actually streaming this right now so if you're watching it on my channel on misfits and miscreants why don't you go over to w2m uh w2m network and give them a follow here on twitch yeah, and then there's a, little, go, there's a little heart button yeah a little heart button give them a follow um and uh then right, you know you can follow them on uh you can follow them on uh youtube and everything else as well so do that for me yeah, real quick, we have our TikTok up and running now. Yeah. I got on case about that today. And, you know, some people have been asking, and I'm finally getting around to doing it. We are posting little three-minute clips of each show uh, that we do um, with video on TikTok now. And, you know, and I think we're, they're reposting to Instagram. So if you just want to, you know, see a little taste of the show, a little nibble, uh, you want to, you know, a little Mark, nibble over Robert. Mark, continu- Mark continues to try to monetize in snippet form now my mental <laughs> health breakdowns as he goes through what critics say. <laughs> I, hey, those, those have been some great clips I'm choosing, huh? Um, <laughs> I, so, yeah. Top notch. The, the TikTok is up and running. Uh, the, TikTok. Our, the, the, the TikTok is up and running right now for W2M. So I'm not going to be posting them on my own TikTok anymore. They'll be on the W2M TikTok. Um, I want to encourage everyone to like and subscribe to our YouTube page. Mm-hmm. And if you're not to. watching the video, um, then you know f- you, you can find us on any podcast catcher you choose out there. We're on all of them. You can but. find Misfits and Miscreates on everything except for podcast form right now, which I'm going to resolve that sometime in the near future by doing the Screaming Boy podcast. Um, it may t- we may take over the Screaming Boy <laughs> podcast. We never know. One will, um, one will subsume the other. They can be only one. Absolutely. Uh, it's like, you know. Wow, I got another Henry Cavill reference in there. Good for me. Boom. All right. Good for you. Robert, uh, go, ahead and do, yep, go ahead and do your plugs real quick and let's get out of here. All right. Uh, Mark and I reviewed the a movie on Tuesday. 
yeah, the three five five. A which, movie. Which, my clip, my snippet of that is the best part of that entire interview. Us, us, try, like trying to imagine what the marketing meeting was like for that movie. <laughs> Oof, <laughs> that movie is so bad. It's so. I've never seen a film director who makes Michael Bay look halfway competent before, but hey, Simon Kinberg, good Hold on, on. you. <laughs> so right. Mark and I reviewed that. Uh, you can find my writing over at 411mania.com. I cover professional wrestling three nights a week. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. MLW stuff on Thursday. I mentioned at the top of the show that's already the most least recent episode is already up. And WWE SmackDown on Fridays. So tomorrow, whatever they're doing over there, I imagine continuing to try and eat their own tails because that's what WWE does these days. I also cover, prof uh, not professional wrestling, mixed martial arts, the one I actually enjoy. Uh, this week, the UFC returns to action, their first show of 2022. UFC on ESPN. Make sure I get the number right. Uh, 32, also known as UFC Vegas 46. This will be the commentary debut of Laura Sanko. She's done commentary work for other uh, promotions attached to the UFC, as well as Dana White's Contender Series on occasion. This is her first time doing it for a UFC show proper, so good for her. She's very talented. Uh, I will be covering it, so if you're interested in that, my live play-by-play -play will be in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania. I also host the 411 Mania Ground and Pound radio show podcast. It's not a radio show anymore. Uh, this week was our first show of 2022. We looked back at the year of 2021, the UFC's most successful, most financially successful year ever. Well, the fighters kept getting screwed. My year-end awards, such as they were, and uh, any news that broke, including Jake Paul trolling Dana White, and a bevy of fight announcements. Uh, mostly title fights, uh, including, but not limited to, Max Holloway falling out of his fight, uh, the creation of... Uh, sorry, Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling getting shuffled around and uh, all the various miscellaneous MMA news. So if, you, if you're interested in any of that, give you can just punch 411 Ground and Pound into your podcast platform of choice and you'll be able to find my stuff over there. Lastly, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. This is the last week I'm going to say this, but I want to thank every one of you out there listening. 2021 was our best year ever, which is an odd thing to say about a year that really sucked out loud and for mo in most ways. But we had our best year, and that's a large part because of all of you. So thank you all very, very much. Uh, we're trying to continue that momentum. So please like, comment, subscribe, share, uh, everything you can do to help us out. Uh, we'll continue to put forth as much quality content as we possibly can. Uh, you guys just keep doing everything that you're doing to help us out. We would like to get on Rotten Tomatoes, so we need star review star ratings and reviews on apple podcasts and subscription numbers on youtube those two things will help us get there then mark can finally die a fulfilled human being <laughs> i might hang around just a little while longer i'm not i'm not saying you're gonna drop dead right away i'm saying that's what like if you die without being on rotten tomatoes it'll be a you, life you, that, unfulfilled that will be your big regret like that will be your rosebud so, yep. your, your rosebud kind of moment rotten tomatoes Right. Ronnie Adams from RonnieAdams.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for joining us here on our conversation about The Witcher. Uh, next week, Hawkeye, Al Sedano, Ronnie Adams of the Screaming Boy Podcast. Until then, be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>